Thanks for listening to the Aspire Church podcast. Visit us at aspirejacks.org to access additional resources or to learn more about the ministries of Aspire Church. Well, good evening and Merry Christmas. My name is Gary. If I didn't get a chance to meet you before, I'm the pastor here at Aspire Church San Marco, and I'm really excited to be here tonight and uh, to share this time with you. It's a special time, I know, for families all around the world as uh, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, uh, but it's especially uh, a, a special moment for us here because as we gather, it's sort of like a homecoming every year, uh, getting to catch up with some of you maybe that we hadn't seen in a while and others that are maybe here for the first time, uh, families getting together, and it's always a great time to be together and to center our time together around the reason for Christmas, and that is the greatest gift that God has ever given to us in himself by sending Jesus Christ to be our Savior. And so uh, we sing about this, you know, at Christmas time, we sing a lot of songs that tell us the story of Christmas because music is a part of the Christmas story itself. It is from the very beginning of the Christmas story. The angels are singing, Mary sings a song, Zechariah sings a song. It seems like uh, the world that had been caught in silence for so long burst into jubilant song at the announcement of the coming of Jesus. And the church has kept that tradition going for millennia as we tell the story of Jesus' birth again. And one of the songs that we've been doing that with for over 300 years is the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the world. And the last verse of that great Christmas carol has these words. In fact, I don't want you to sing it. I want you to read it with me off the screen. This is what it says, the last verse of Joy to the World. He, read it right with me together. Here we go. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. I love that line. Because I don't know if you have felt it, I know I certainly have, as you look at the world today and you watch the news, uh, we need truth and grace, don't we? Seems like we'll get a lot of one or the other, but what the world needs is not all grace with no truth, but nor does it need all truth with no grace. We need both. And we don't need half of each, we need 100% of each, and that's exactly what Jesus came to give us. He is full of grace and truth. And he makes the nations, all the world, one day will prove his righteousness, that what he said is right and has been right all along, that God's plan will come to fruition, and that they will declare, the last line, the wonders of his love. Think about that line with me, the wonders of his love. I, I know many of you probably have people you love dearly, and you have experienced tremendous love from people in return, I hope. And there are times when you may be filled with wonder at love. Maybe it's on a wedding day. And if you can think back to that day, if you've been married and you can feel how full of love you were, the wonder of the love. Maybe it was at the birth of a child or a grandchild and you just felt like you were bursting with love. Our world needs to feel the wonders of God's love for us. And that wonder comes to us in the form of a baby that was born, Jesus Christ, the wonders of his love. But it wasn't just the fact that Jesus was born in a manger, but it was that he lived a life that demonstrated the love of God in his teachings and his actions. Everything he did, he constantly was shocking the religious world by the way he demonstrated the kind of love they never knew that God could actually have for them. 
as he would heal the lepers, as he would, as he'd reach out to those who were sinners and tax collectors, people on the outside of the story that he was constantly bringing in and talking about the love that God has for them. You know, I I don't know about you, but if you think about your Christmas gifts from last year, uh, you may be a little foggy on what it was you got. Now, some of you may remember exactly because it may have been exactly what you wanted, but, but think with me, if you will, for just a minute, back to Christmas's past and some of the gifts that you may have gotten. Some of them may have been forgotten already. Others may have been become broken or worn out by now. Others you just purely outgrew. But the gifts that you get at Christmas time as demonstrations of somebody's love are always temporary, aren't they? They, they, see, they seem to run out. We outgrow them. They break. We lose them. We forget about them. These gifts that we get from one another as evidence of love, as tokens of our affection and our love, do not compare to the gift that God has given you to demonstrate his love for you. In fact, the verse that tells us about this is probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Such a simple verse, and yet it contains the entire message of the gospel in it. Because Jesus came not to judge the world, verse 17 says, but to save the world. That God so loved you, he sent Jesus. Sometimes what we may hear in religious circles is that God sent Jesus to judge the world, but that's exactly the opposite. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that God so loved you that he sent Jesus to come and be with you. So I'm going to look at three things quickly tonight before we all leave this place and go about our Christmas activities. Three very important things this verse teaches us about God's love. It teaches us who God's love, who God loves first. Look what it says. For God so loved the world. Now, before we just run past that, I invite you to think about somebody in your life who is a difficult to love person. Now, if they're sitting next to you, be, act cool, all right? Just act cool. But you can give me a little wink and I'll know they're right next to you. God's love knows no bounds and no limits. There's not a person on this planet that God doesn't love so much that he would send Jesus to die for them. It doesn't matter what country they're from. It doesn't matter how much money they have or don't have. It doesn't matter what language they speak, what color their skin is, when they were born. It doesn't matter who their parents are. God's love for people is universal. And here's what's even more amazing than that, that he loves us even in our, in our current condition. Even before we do anything to be lovable, God loves the whole world. I don't know about you, but I turn on the news and listen to what's going on and I think how desperate the world is to hear that message that God loves everyone regardless of which side of a border they live on or what language they speak God's love is universal sometimes people think about Christianity as an exclusive religion they, they try to they try to say that Christianity are so is so narrow-minded so closed-minded but that's not what I read about in the gospel I read about a God's a God who so loved the world, everybody, that he would go to any length to demonstrate that love to you and to me. God loves the whole world. But this verse also tells us 
how God loves. Look what it says next. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, one of the core, core truths of love in action is always generosity. Always. It's why you give gifts at Christmas time. It's why you give gifts for somebody's birthday. It's why you give gifts for somebody's anniversary. You give gifts because generosity is always a symbol and expression of love. And so God, to demonstrate his love, gave his only son. John tells us this in one of his letters, 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God sent Jesus that we might live through him. Notice what that verse doesn't say. That verse doesn't say that God sent Jesus so that you can go to heaven when you die. Now, don't get me wrong. That is true. But it's so much better news than that. Because, see, you don't have to wait until you die to experience life in Jesus Christ right here and right now. God doesn't just want you to want to be your life insurance policy. He wants to give you life. He wants to make your life whole and complete. That God demonstrated his love for you, for this, for you in this, that while you were still sinning, Christ died for you. You see, wouldn't it be easy to love people when they're lovable? It's always easy to love somebody when they're being lovable. But what about when somebody's not lovable? What about when they've hurt you, when they've betrayed you, when they've lied to you? How easy is it to love them then? And yet, that's exactly when and how God loved each and every one of you. When you were at your lowest, God could not have loved you more at that very moment than he does. God's love for you is not conditioned on your behavior. It's one of the things that kind of grieves my heart at Christmas time is that we tell our kids, you better watch out. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming down. He's making a list and checking it twice. The naughty and nice list, right? This is the message we send at Christmas time, which is exactly the opposite of the message of the gospel. See, God delights in loving you when you're on the naughty list. For some of you, that's really good news. God loved you so much that he would give Jesus for you. You see, I think there's a real confusion that we have sometimes when we think about people. We confuse their condition with their value. And there's a big difference between somebody's condition and their value. Let me just demonstrate this for you. If you were to leave out of church today and as you're walking across the street, if you found a $100 bill in the gutter that had been run over and it's dirty and the corner's torn off of it, you would pick it up. You know why? Because it's worth $100 no matter what condition it's in. Humans are the same way. See, it doesn't matter what condition you find yourself in tonight. God could not love you more because your condition does not dictate your value to him. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus. You know, Jesus told a story. It's a famous story. It's called The Prodigal Son. About a man who had two sons, an older son and a younger son. And the older son kind of was one of those, you know, goody-goodies. He always did everything right. And the younger son never did anything right. So one day the younger son went to his dad and said, Dad, I want all my inheritance. I want everything that's coming to me because I'm leaving this place. And the dad gave him everything that was coming to him, all his half of the inheritance. And the younger brother went off. And meanwhile, the older brother stayed, did his job, picked up extra shifts on the farm to make up for his, his loser younger brother. 
Meanwhile, the younger brother's off. He's spending dad's money. He's spending it all. And finally, he runs out of money. And he has to go get a job working on a farm, slopping hogs. And he realizes he's so hungry, he would love to even eat what the hogs are eating. So he decides right then, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to throw myself on his mercy. I'm going to say, I'm not worthy, but if you just let me work on your farm instead, I'll come back. If you'll just have me back, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do, dad. Just have me back. And so he's working on the speech. You know how you do when you're about, when you know you got to apologize to somebody and you got to work on the speech. I know all you men know what I'm talking about, all you husbands. <laughs> so you work on the speech. You got to get it just right. So he's working on the speech. And as he's coming home, his dad looks out and he sees him coming. And he goes running to his son. And the son starts into the speech. But before he gets a full sentence in, the dad just stops and calls back to the servants. He says, hey, bring some clothes, bring shoes, bring a ring and put it on his finger. Kill the, kill the hog. Let's have a, let's have a feast. Let's, let's celebrate because my son is back. And the son's like, I'm not worthy of that. I just want to work on the farm. But my son who was lost is now found. But the older brother didn't like this very much. The older brother didn't like this because it wasn't fair, right? Do you know what's not fair? The gospel's not fair. Because God's love for you is the same whether you're the prodigal son who ran off or whether you're the son who stayed home. And, and if you find yourself tonight as that son, like that son who ran away, and you've been away, all you have to do is take one step back towards God and he will welcome you home because of his love for you that he gave his only son. You see, Jesus is like our older brother. But unlike the older brother in the story who didn't welcome the younger brother home, Jesus would give up everything to welcome his younger brother's home, his younger sister's home. God loves the whole world, and God loves us by sending his only son. But it leads to maybe the most difficult question of all that this verse answers, and that is why God loves. Why would God love us when we're at our worst? Why would he love us so extravagantly that he would send his only son to us? Why would he send Jesus? Why would he go to such great lengths? You know, it's a difficult question to answer. Why do you love your children? Why do you love your grandchildren? Well, they're yours, right? And if you have a healthy relationship, there's nothing you wouldn't do for them. But as much as you may love your children or your grandchildren or your parents or as, your, as much as you may love anybody, it pales in comparison to, love, to the love that God has for you. Here's why God loves you and why he would send Jesus. Listen to the end of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We don't use the word perish a whole lot anymore. But let me tell you why it's a good word. Because I don't think perish just means your physical death. Some of you in here are old enough and have had difficult enough experiences to know you don't have to die physically to feel dead on the inside. Jesus doesn't want you to feel that way. God wants you to be filled with life here, now, and for all eternity. He would that none would feel dead, but all would have life in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, God so loved the world that he made a way for anybody who wants to, to come back to him through Jesus Christ. Jesus said this to his disciples shortly before he left them. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. Jesus is offering us a way back to God. And here's what's awesome about that. Again, from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, whoever is you, whoever is me, whoever is every person you've ever met, doesn't matter if you're from a Muslim background or a Buddhist background, it doesn't matter if you were raised in a house with a lot of money or you were raised poor, doesn't matter if you were born in the north or south or overseas somewhere, doesn't matter if your first language is English or not. God's love for you is not conditioned on who you are, but whose you are, and you are his. And he has gone to great lengths, he has gone to great lengths to welcome you home into his kingdom. Whoever would believe in him would not perish. So here's what I want to invite you to do this Christmas. Believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, Put your faith and trust in the one who loves you even when you're at your worst. And then aspire to love everyone always because that's exactly what God has done for you. And in fact, Jesus said it was so important that he said a new commandment I'm giving you, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, that's the best gift you can give anyone at Christmas time is a love that's unconditional. A love that doesn't even come from you. A love that flows through you from God to everyone you meet. But it only comes if you first receive for yourself the love that God has for you in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus and aspire to love everyone always. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. God loves you. He's demonstrated that for you, not just at Christmas time, with a child that was born in a manger, not welcomed by kings, but welcomed by shepherds. He, he came for the lowly. He came for the outcast. He came for the people who were left behind. That's why Jesus was born the way he was born. But it wasn't just because he was born. It was because that same baby would grow up, would live a sinless life, would demonstrate God's love to everyone, and would ultimately die a sacrificial death on the cross. That child was born to die for you and for me as a demonstration and proof of God's love for you that there is no length to which he would not go to rescue you, to redeem you and to welcome you home. I'm gonna ask our deacons to come forward. We're gonna serve communion. And uh, we do this as part of our tradition here at Aspire Church every Christmas Eve and throughout the year because Jesus said right before he was arrested, he said, I want you to do this as a reminder. I want you to do this to remember my love for you. <clears throat> and so tonight, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to be a member of this church, but if you're a believer in Jesus, we invite you to come and share in communion. You'll take the little wafer as it's offered to you. You'll hear the words, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then you'll just take that wafer and you'll dip it in the cup and you'll hear the words, the blood of Christ poured out for you. And as you eat that, you'll leave from your right and you'll return to your left as the, as the deacons make their way down the aisles. If you have a mobility issue, you don't want to come forward, they've got uh, elements in their, uh, in their hands they can give you right where you're seated. But as you partake in this communion, I, I want you to remember how much God loves you at Christmas time and the lengths to which he went to demonstrate that love for you. Will you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you tonight.
for your amazing love. God, that when we were at our worst, you didn't love us any less than you've ever loved us. You can't love us more than you do because you loved us to the full extent that you would send Jesus who would give his life for us. God, I pray that as we join in this ancient tradition of taking communion on this Christmas Eve, that Lord, we would make room in our hearts for Jesus. God, all the things that crowd you out through the year, the busyness, the noise, the challenges, the problems, the, the fights, the disappointments, the successes even, God, so many things that crowd you out. For right now, in this moment, God, may we just make room for Jesus to come in. And Lord, would you take up the throne in our hearts? Would you rule and reign in every heart here, in every family represented, and in your church? God, we thank you for your love. Thank you that it knows no bounds and no limits. Lord, may we, may we partake of your love and may it flow through us so that all may see how much you love them. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Aspire Church Podcast. If what you've heard has been helpful, please subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with a friend. If you'd like to support the ministry of Aspire Church or want someone to contact you personally, please visit our website at aspirejacks.org.